Look again. Every, every year I get stuck here in Kansipur and I get stuck again. So the Pasuk says, Ki kare Kansipur lefanecha. Rashi says, Ki kare prat lemizuman. You can't, you can't set it up. Right? It's got to happen ex accidentally. Kansipur is a nest. Baderech. Bekol eitz al ha'aretz. Kol eitz al ha'aretz. Now in this nest you have chicks or eggs, you know, unhatched eggs. Uh, you should not take the mother with the um, with the chicks. Rashi says, so if you see a nest and the nest has chicks and a mother don't don't take the, you want the chicks don't take the chicks with the mother then uh, the next pasuk says send away the mother let it fly on take the chicks with you the banim it's called in the pasuk so the first the curious thing is that there's a that there's a reward. And usually, I mean there are many mitzvot in the parasha of Kitaitsei, but they don't contain rewards. They tell you the mitzvah, and that's the end on the prohibition. So Rashi says, Rashi says, if there's this, it's called a, he calls it a mitzvah kala, because it doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't cost you anything to perform the, perform the mitzvah. Right? You know, Jews, Jews manage to um, take advantage of their brethren by charging for an esrog, which costs somebody like a shekel charge you 200 shekels for it. I mean, why not? Even though I understand that this year it's being, somehow it's going to be better than it usually is. This mitzvah doesn't cost you anything. And the Torah is so like exuberant in the reward. This is certainly true for mitzvot chamurot. What's mitzvot chamurot? Mitzvot that cost you money to perform. Like, you know, today eating a piece of matzah on Pesach costs you a lot of money. So if you eat the piece of matzah, you will certainly be rewarded just as you're rewarded with shluchakah. Uh, so you have to say, like, what did Rashi, what was Rashi thinking? Rashi was thinking that it's very strange that the Torah says the and it comes to teach me something which is sort of a general statement. And general statements are better than particularistic statements. That's what Rashi says. So since I learned, I learned that mitzvot have sachar, that's what, that's what I learned. And, and individual mitzvot apparently have sachar, like shiloh hakan. Uh, so this is a chiddush, I guess, that, that it's not all, it doesn't all go together. Like in heaven, they have this big computer and they always decide, where are you on the Sakharba owner scale, right? It's not, not like that. You do a mitzvah, you get schar. So now this shiluch hakan, what? Isn't that one that he says is in Bukhis Saram isn't there an obvious one? Like you could have the mother, you could have a chicken, and you could have eggs. But with this mitzvah, you, you lose the chicken. No, it's not your chicken. It's a bird. Somebody else. It's a bird. It's a wild bird. It's not yours. It's nothing to do with you. Like this bird is like where the nest is built is a halakhic question. But let's say it's built in your bathroom. You know, like the window. There's a window, and uh, some some industrious bird built a nest. So then you could do shiluch hakan. It's not your birds. It's a bird. <laughs> it doesn't belong to you. You're thinking about, you'll see what you're thinking about in a minute. So, so it, it became a problem. Somehow, 
Shiluch HaKad. Now here the historians would have to tell us how this problem took place. But if you turn the page to the second side, right? So you see there's a Mishnah. It was the bottom, the bottom third of the page. The Mishnah says, So we know that when people davened at some time in Jewish history, very early, right, the Mishnah, it's the Mishnah, the Mishnah is early, as far as we know, it's either before the Churban Beit HaMikdash, and it's even before the Beit HaMikdash, uh, davening became very important because the Beit HaMikdash was under the jurisdiction of corrupt Kohanim. And therefore, the people who did not want to associate with the corrupt Kohanim uh, davened. They davened according to the presentation of Chazal, which was that you should say Shemot Ezrei. That's how you do the mitzvah of tefillah. You say Shemona Esrei, right? That's what it was. But there was a certain kind of fluid aspect to what Shemona Esrei was. Some people said this and some people said that. There was a general framework, but it wasn't always adhered to. So the Mishnah says, Omer, al-kansi poyagil rachamecha. Somehow, this was put into the Shemona Esrei. This became part of the Tefillah. And the Tefillah, what was the Tefillah? So we look at the Gemara. Look at the Gemara. Bishlama modi modi mishat kimoto. As I understand that the Mishnah says that you shouldn't say modim twice. Why would you want to say modim twice? Well, we say modim twice, don't we? I mean, you know, we do exactly what the Mishnah says. You shouldn't do. I thought it was consecutive modems rather than uh, maybe. two different modems. Okay. But it's, it's we say it in the same place that we say the first modem, we say another modem. But nobody cares about that. Maybe you, they all have your swara. Maybe. But uh, the mission that Gemara says, modem, modem, shatkinoto, mishum, the mechzeikishterish yot. It's sort of you saying modem here. And more than there, what stay Rishuyot mean? Two deities. What? Two, well, I don't know about that. But two authorities. Two authorities in the world. You know that the Persian religion, which is called Zoroastrianism, there were two authorities. There was the good and the evil. And even though at the end we know that the good is going to beat the evil, I'm talking about the Zoroastrians, nevertheless, right now, you have to modify or pacify both of them, right? The good and the evil. So there's a pasuk. There's a pasuk in Yeshayahu. There's a pasuk in the Navi Yeshayahu which says, Yotze Or, Uvorei Choshech, Ose Shalom, Uvorei Ra. Uvorei Ra. This became a problem. I mean, it's a great pasuk, but it wasn't good for people living under Persian influence. Because it sounds like the Navi said, shalom that there's the deity of peace, of shalom, and then there's Borei which could be understand, understood in our theology, but reminded people of the Persian religion. And so Chazal, in a bold move, changed it. And we say, And I mean, I think if anybody tried to do that today, he would be in big, he or she would be in big trouble. But they did it. They did it because they thought that not doing it was worse. It was somehow that pasuk got into the tefillah. It became part of the bracha that you say before Kriyat Shema. Uh, how that happened, I don't know. I think it's an interesting study, but I have no idea. So again it says, Modim Modim Yishat Kinotam Mishum Demechzei Kishtei Rishuyot. Val Tuv, Yizachel Shumecha, that second line in the Mishnah. Nami Mashma, Ala Tova, Velo Ala Ra'ah. So that sort of says, 
God is responsible for tova, but God is not responsible for ra'a. Right? Some kind of... Uh, so these were all positions, I guess, that people had. Some people said that there's God of Tova, there's God of Ra, there's authority of this, authority of that, and that was what the Mishnah is talking about. Right to Tanan, and there's a there's a Tanaitic source that says, Chayav Adam Leverech Ala Ra'a, Geshem Shuverech Ala Tova. What does that mean? Because everything comes from God. Everything comes from the same source. And the distinction between Tov Ura may just be a Fata Morgana. Yes? In other words, Tov and Ra is only our perception of it. But who says there's Tov Ura? Maybe everything is Tov. No? I mean, it could be. It could be in any event, that's what the Gemara says. The Gemara says, Chayav Adam Because all of it comes from God. And if all of it comes from God, it must all be Tov. That's how it was in, in, in Bria, in Bria Ta'olam. Tov is the name of God's handiwork. The word tov. God did it, tov. So there's no, so everything falls into that category. And therefore I say it may be that the distinction between tov and ra is something that, like everybody is the Rambam says. The Rambam says, you don't know what's tov and ra. You know, sometimes you want something, you want to go on a trip, you want to go to a place, you want to do something, and, and, you, and you don't get what you want. And then some great tragedy happens to the people who did. Right, so you don't know. First you thought it was terrible that you didn't get what you wanted. And then suddenly you realize you were saved from this tragedy. So it was a tragedy for them. Yes? Bad. No, they were, but if you would have been there, you would have also had been in that tragedy. So what? It was rough. It, wasn't it was rough. rough. No, but when you didn't uh, get chosen yeah. to go on this trip, I you thought that was rough. Now you say, oh, that was not right at all. That was salvation for me. It was right for them, but it was not right for me. So you can't, you can't tell. Tov, I mean, you could make this argument. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying you could make the argument that Tov and Ra are not identifiable. They're not easily identifiable, but it's a very well-known concept. So the Gemara finally says, he says, What about this third thing? About This is the third thing in the Mishnah, right? So what is that all about? There are uh, uh, three, there are two Emoraim who disagree about the meaning of this sentence in the Ma'arav. Ma'arav, what's, where's, the, where, where's the Ma'arav? In Eretz Yisrael. Okay, the Ma'arav. Rabbi Yossi Bar Avin, Rabbi Yossi Bar Zvida, these are the two Emoraim. Chadamar, Mepnei Shematil Kin'ah B'maseh Bereshit. Mepnei Shematil Kin'ah B'maseh Bereshit. Rashi, you see the Gemara Rashi, right in the middle. Matil Kina, you see that? Yes? No? Lomar al Elechas velo al Sha'ar Briotav. It's as though somebody says, Oh, how wonderful God is that he worried about the Tsipor and the Khan. But apparently, God was not so concerned about the other animals. Right? The other animals don't have that kind of mercy. So that's Rabbi Yosef Bar Avin. Who said Okay. Hadamar, the other one says, and this seems to be the more uh, uh, serious uh, uh, position, Rashi says, Midotav is mitzvotav. Mitzvotav. In other words, God commanded us to do a variety of things. If you say, it's as though you say God was merciful, which is the same as saying 
that in other times God was not merciful. Right? They have this problem with attributing a midah to HaKadosh Baruch There's a problem with attributing a personality trait to God. You say, oh, that means God is uh, merciful. So what about the other cases where you didn't have that opening? So you're saying that other cases God is and lacks mercy? No good, right? Midotav. Rashi. It's obvious that God did not do it in order to be merciful. But God meant to direct his, uh, his gzerot, his edicts to B'nai Yisrael. This is what you have to do. This is what you have to avoid doing. They are his slaves. Vishomrei mitzvotav, and they keep his mitzvot to gzeirot chukotav. Av bedvarim sheyesh lesatan ulenachrim lasig al lashiv alem. Even those mitzvot that the goyim or reasonable people, right, outside of the Jewish community, will think are are silly. Lasig alem belomar matzorif bemitzvazot. They'll say, "What do you need this for?" What do you need this mitzvah for? What does it do for you? What do you get from this mitzvah? Right? So again, Chadamar, this is the second opinion. Well, I don't know. I don't know. But what I remember from learning Chumash is that after the Chaita Egel, right? After the Chaita Egel, there was a Chiddush that was brought into the world. HaKadosh Baruch taught Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem, Hashem, Kerachu Bechanon, Erchapayim, Rechesed, Ve'emet. Right? That's what it says in the Pasuk. It says that God will treat the situation of B'nai Yisrael, of the Egel Azar, of their punishment, Rachu Bechanon, with mercy. Not mercy with din, not rachamim and din, but just mercy. So what is the Gemara talking about? Well, how can you say, how can you say that if I attribute a mitzvah to divine mercy, that I'm doing something that contradicts my relationship to God? That's something that I find it difficult to understand. I find it difficult to understand. Maybe not so. Maybe one. Rashi also found it difficult to understand, and that's why Rashi feels the need to redefine midotav as mitzvotav. And not, I mean, he's really, really redefining what, redefining what the statement is. It's not talking about God's attributes, it's talking about the agenda and goal of mitzvot in the world. They are not to achieve, you know, for the sake of achieving mercy, they are for the sake of achieving obedience. Mm. I think you could say that in a more kind of quasi-mystical way. You could say that, that the mitzvot of the Torah precede the Chet Egel, And the mitzvot of the Torah have to be judged as though they exist before the Chet Egel. And if you say, if you say that, uh, uh, that this Chanun V'Rachum, Rav Chesed V'Amet, took place because of the Chet Egel. So then you still should not attribute Rachel Mechanon to the mitzvahs which preceded, uh, were preceded. But there's a greater problem here, and that problem is, uh, do I know what the mitzvot are about? Do I know what the mitzvot are for? So we know that the Rambam had a theory that he exhibits in the Moran Nebuchim, which is that there may be different kinds of of solutions to the question of ta'meha mitzvot. One solution might be, mitzvot are good for you, right? They're good for the, for the community, they're good for the, the family, they're good for uh, your religion, the way you're devoted to, a, they're good for you. They're good thing. Does that mean that that's the only reason that the mitzvah would have? Perhaps not. Even though the Rambam doesn't clearly say this in the Moranibuchim, nevertheless, we can assume that that's what the Rambam really thought. So, let's look first at the Rambam and the Perusha Mishnah. 
You see the bottom of the page? Way at the bottom. Inyan amro al kansipoy agirach amechal hu sheyomar kishem shechasta al kansipoy v'amata lo tikach ha'ema labanim kach chus aleinu. It's as though the Rambam says we can make this into a tefillah. And you say, just like you had mercy on this bird, have mercy on us as well. Have mercy on us as well. But somebody who says that, you have to tell him to keep quiet. That the, that the you saying, what you're really saying is that the reason for this mitzvah is mercy on the bird. This is not true. And here you have it. That's the problem. That is the problem. The problem has nothing to do with Kansipor. The problem has to do with Shita. The problem has to do with Shita, that if God was merciful, and if God was sent to chase away the mother because of mercy, Rachamim, then how could God tell us to go around and slaughter animals in order to eat? Okay? But God uh, uh, commanded us to do this and there's no reason for it. We can't perceive the reason. The same thing is true. This is the opposite of what is the case. So what does the Rambam what does the Rambam say? How does the Rambam add to our understanding? The Rambam says, look, the main problem is, the main problem is that Rachamim is not divisible. If God had mercy on the animals that he God created, then there shouldn't be any difference between the birds and the other big animals that you're allowed to slaughter for food. That's what the, that's what the Rambam says. And therefore, therefore you shouldn't say, you shouldn't say, since God had mercy on the bird, please God have mercy on me because there's no reason to think that God had mercy on the birds, right? That's what, that's what the Rambam says. That's how the Rambam understands it. So this is... So does he propose a, a reason? What? Does he propose a reason then? What's a, is why, he proposing... A, a, re, a rationale. I mean... The Rambam? Yeah, I mean, so what, why, why does that Pasuk say that then? Why does it say Barat Olimim in the, in the possible? Right. According so according to Rashi, it's just uh, accidental. That everybody, the Rambam doesn't explain that. It doesn't say by Paraduma, which, which he's saying is like equally not understandable. No, Paraduma, is, we agree, is not understandable. That's the whole point of it, is to have something that's not understandable. But according to Rambam, the, the fact that it says the re reason in the puzzle lends one to think that there might be a rationale. What right reason? You mean the, the reward? Right. Okay, so let's look at this Rambam. There are several Rambams in the Moranavuchim that are uh, relevant. But I only, only have one of them. This says they always speak. It speaks to support the idea. I have ever forgot what I was made by them. Which at... Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Let, let's look at the, just the Breshit Rabbah, and then we'll go, then we'll look at this Rambam and the guide. You see the Breshit Rabbah on this page? Acharad Varim Ha'ele. Hayat Hashem al Avram Machazeli Mor Begomer. That trufa, trufa means the purification, metals. Right? You, you take out the, 
the part you don't want. God's ways are tmimim. Tmimim means perfect. God gave us mitzvot only to purify us. Right? So we could do things that God wants us to do and in that way we become a certain kind of person. He says, after all, what possible difference could there be to God if you slaughtered an animal, which is the way we do it, or or if you took the knife and you cut off his head from the from the back of I it, mean, what difference does it make to God? I mean, this is like an important theological position, which is again repeated again and again by, uh, by the later commentaries. But this is the Bedrash Rabbah, the Bereshit Rabbah, which is Tanaim. Havei, lo nitnua mitzvot ele letzareif bahemet abriyot. But why did God tell us to do shechita uh, uh, from, the, from the neck? Is that God said, do it my way. Do it my way, not because it's better or it's different or it makes a difference to the animal or it makes a difference to God. The only thing that makes, the only difference that there is is that I'm doing what God tells me to do. That's what, that's what I am. I'm the person who does what God tells me to do. Mitzvot are not there to improve things, to make it better, to tell us how to make a community, how to live how to live a better life. They are there in order that we should become mitzvah doers. And to be a mitzvah doers with mitzareh and abuyot, you, you purify. Davar acher, ha'el tamim darko, ze avraham shenemar, matzatat levavo neeman lefanecha, mret Hashem trufa, the words of God are purifying, shetzirfu ha'kadosh bochu b'kipshat ha'esh, so the other opinion is that the Pasuk specifically talks about Avram Avinu. But our, our uh, interest here is that the mitzvot come mitzareif and abriyot. In other words, they don't teach us a way of life. They don't teach us what we're supposed to be like. And that, that idea, that idea is found in the mitzvah of Shrita, where Chazal said this interesting thing. They said, what difference does it make how you kill the animal? What difference does it make? I mean, you're going to kill him and eat him. I mean, so that God gave us a mitzvah called Shrita in order that we should adhere to the divine will. That was the, that was the, uh, the lesson, adhering to divine will. So now let's look at the guide. Let us look at the guide. In this sense, they always speak as scriptural texts support the idea. I have, however, found one utterance made by them in Breshit Rabbah, which might at first sight appear to imply that some commandments have no other reason but the fact that they are commanded, that no other object is intended by them, that they, they do not serve any useful object. I mean the following passage. I hope you recognize it. What difference does it make to God whether a beast is killed by cutting its neck in front or in the back? Surely the commandments are only intended as a means of trying man. In accordance with the verse, the word of God is a test. Although this passage is very strange, and has no parallel in the writings of our sages, I explain it as you shall soon hear in such a manner that I remain in accord with the meaning of their words and do not depart from the principle which we agreed upon that the commandments serve a useful object. So the Rambam could not bear it. He couldn't bear it. That there's something that God tells us to do to which we cannot apply secha, which we cannot apply dat. He says, it doesn't make any sense to the Rambam. 
because any, anything that represents God's will comes from intelligence. It doesn't come from unintelligence. So why say that God doesn't care about whether you shecht an animal from the throat or from the back? I mean, why say such a thing? So the Rambam himself has downgraded that statement even before he explains his position. He's downgraded. He says, there's no other statement like it. No one else said this. It's the only place that you have this, this statement. And it goes, of course, it runs contrary to everything in the Guide to the Perplex. The Guide is also a book of Ta'amei Mitzvot, of rationale of mitzvot. And the Rambam is committed to the idea that mitzvot have a purpose. They do something for you. They help you. They create what should be. So he says, I have not said to the seed of Jacob, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness, declare that which is right, that I will now tell you what intelligent persons ought to believe in this respect. I mean, you know, nobody wants to be left out if he says that the following is for intelligent people. <coughs> Namely, that each commandment has necessarily a cause as far as its general character is concerned and serves a certain object. It always has a purpose. Every mitzvah has a purpose. The Rambam, the Rambam says, uh, Thus, killing animals for the purpose of obtaining good food is certainly useful, as we intend to show, that however the killing should not be performed by nechira, pole axing the animal. I know what that is, but I know what nechira is. I get, you do it through the nose, like through the nose of the, of the animal. Uh, uh, that the killing should not be performed by nechira. Nechira is a Hebrew word. But by shechita, that the neck, and by dividing the esophagus and the windpipe in a certain place. These regulations and the like are nothing but tests for man's obedience. In this sense, you will understand the example quoted by the sages, that there is no difference between killing an animal cutting its neck in front and cutting it in back. I give this instance only because it is mentioned by our sages. But in reality, there is some reason for these regulations. For as it has become necessary to eat the flesh of animals, it was intended by the above regulations to ensure an easy death and to effect it by subtle means. Whilst decapitation requires a sword or a similar instrument, the shita can be performed with any instrument and in order to ensure an easy death, our sages insisted that the knife should be well sharpened. Okay, so the Rambam, the Rambam distinguishes between the idea of it, like the big idea, and the details of it. He says it could be that the details, the details, you know, have a purpose, but they may also have the purpose of the tzarev and the briot, which means I want you to be able to uh, accept the divine command. That's the Tzarev et Abriot. So the Rama makes this distinction, which he makes in other, at other times as well. There's a difference between the, the mitzvah as an idea and the mitzvah as a, how do you do it? How do you specifically do it? And how you specifically do it, that could be the Tzarev et Abriot, because they're, they're, even though I can understand what, what's going on, but, but the, you just have a lot of different regulations about shrita, and those regulations are with the briot. However, the idea of shrita is necessary because you have to eat, because you have to eat food, right? You know that, according to the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Adam Arishon, I guess Chava, were not vegetarians. They were not vegetarians, at least according to Tosus, Adapt Sanites. But Adam Arishan and Chava were not allowed to kill animals for food. But according to Tosvot, they were allowed to eat carrion, which 
I think means animals killed by other animals. You know, they were allowed to eat the meat of carrion, of animals killed by animals. And, uh, and so, later on, when eating meat became part of, uh, of life, of real uh, life, shchita, shchita was a way of limiting, of saying, I do it with God's approval. I do it with the approval, with God's approval. So you have this idea that, yeah, we have now come up with this idea that mitzvot are uh, very important and very important not to attribute, in, in, in other words, for the Rambam, saying a mitzvah is good for me is not the same as saying it's because of the way God is. You can't say it's because of the way God, God's, God is, right? The Gemara says it many times, that you can't, you can't go on and you can't praise God for the way God is. Like you could, like we, we do say in Shmon Esrei, we say something about God, but then the Gemara says the only reason that we can say that is because Moshe Rabbeinu said it in the Torah, it's written in the Torah. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to say it. You can't say anything about God, which is a kind of a, a human trait. But I can say, I can say that the mitzvah that God gave me, right, is to teach me something. And that's what the Ramban, that's the distinction that the Ramban makes about oto ve'et bino. Right, you know about Otovet, but no, just look at the Ramban for a minute and then we'll try to summarize it. It's this very long Ramban. Uh, again, you see the Ramban, Kikari, Kansi, the Ramban gets right into it. The Ramban lived after the Ramban. Gamzo mitzvah mevo eret min otovet bino lotishchetu biyomachad. There is this very strange mitzvah about Oto and Beno, that you can't slaughter the mother and the calf, or the, the mother and the, the child, on the same day. That both of these mitzvot, the mitzvah of Kan Sipor, the mitzvah of Oto and, and, and Ved Beno, come to teach me how I should be, that I should be merciful, right? And I should not be uh, cruel. Oshelo yatir hakatuv lasot hashchata lakor hamin avopishitir hashchita b'menahu. So he says it may be that the reason for these mitzvot is well, you could do shchita, you can eat that meat. But you cannot wipe out the min. The, this kind of, a min is a, you know, a species. You can't wipe out the species. That, that's assumed, because that's an act against, an act against creation. If you kill the mother and the offspring on the same day, and if you prevent them from freedom, it's as though you are doing away with that species. And he quotes the Rambam. These two mitzvot, Aim. You shouldn't kill the offspring when the mother is looking. Because the animal itself is very concerned. There's no difference. This is the Rambam. That the, that the animals and the human being are the same in terms of concern. Right, 
Vahadibur, so the animals don't have so much seicho, oh, they can't speak. Avohumi pulat kocha machshava metsuya bebeimot, kashehi metsuya adam. There's no difference between a beima and an adam vilkein. You put these two things together, right? You put this, I, I'm not going to cause distress to the animals, and I'm going to teach myself how I should be, how I should act in other, other situations. Just to the end of the paragraph. By first interpretation. Svarat Misha Yira eh, he ain't having the mitzvot, Ella Khafeitz Khibisabore, Banachumak Sigim is for Ashniya the Rabban says we don't hold that mitzvot have no reason at all. Shayeb call mitzvot ta Mukshalab Od Mashe Matsab Bebreshit Rabbah Bihimak Patlo Lakadish Boho Bin Shahid Minatzabah the Shahid Mina Orak Halo Natnua Mitzvot Ella Sai Bahem et Abriot so I would like to try to summarize. Try. I'm going to try to summarize these, uh, this matter. They were mitzvot. Most of the mitzvot uh, don't seem to have an obvious reason. Right? Doesn't have an obvious reason that connects back to God. If God says to us, it'll be good for you to tell the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim on Pesach. So that doesn't seem to obviously have anything to do with God. I mean, other than the fact that it's a mitzvah. But it's not because God is going to tell the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim. Right? So that's called a mitzvah. It has nothing to do with God. It all has to do with us. We are the ones who will benefit somehow if we tell the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim. The same thing is true about sitting in a sukkah. We sit in a sukkah. I mean, God doesn't sit in a sukkah. So God says to us, look, you know, there's history and there's the past and there are events that took place and it'll be good for you. It'll be good for you to remind yourself of these things. To be able, but nobody would think, nobody think that God is sitting in a sukkah or that God is eating in a matzo, that the reason that God told me to sit in a sukkah was because God is sitting in the sukkah and he likes it so much. Right? So that's most of the mitzvot. But there are two mitzvot in particular that caught the attention of Chazal. Right? The two mitzvot are Kan Sipor and Otovet Beno. These two, these two mitzvot. And when they thought about it, when they thought about it, the idea of mercy, of Rachamim, came up. Right? It's, it's an act of mercy. Kan Sipor, act of mercy. Otovet Beno. Is an act of is an act of mercy, so that it would seem it would seem that mercy, even though it's not stated in the creation, right? You know that God created the world, and all the things that God created are in the first chapter of Breshit, and Rashi adds one thing to that list. Rashi, right? It says in the pasuk Nase Adam. Yes, you remember that pasuk? And what does Rashi say? What does that mean? So I think it means that, well, Rashi explains that God consulted with the heavenly host. Should we make this uh, uh, man or not, right? So of course the heavenly host said, what do we need him for? We, we, you know, you could do with us, but God made man in any event. Nevertheless, God consulted with the Beit Din Shalmala. God consulted. So Rashi says it this way. This is a sign of God's humility. Now that's crazy. Why is it crazy? Because we just got finished. Everybody agrees you can't make attributions of a mido to God. God doesn't have humility, and God doesn't have a lack of humility. 
God is in Breshit, Perek Aleph. It all comes out right. Whatever it's supposed to be is going to be. So that I think that the more correct shot is that God created humility for the benefit of man. It was, it was without Nasa, Adam, Mitzalmenu, Fidmutenu, there wouldn't be any humility. And therefore, God created, he consulted with the Beitin Shomala in order that man should be created under the banner of humility. And we know that the greatest man of all men, whoever, whoever lived at the time of the, of the Torah, certainly, right, is called Anav. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu's epitaph is. He is the greatest of the men. He is humble. He is humble. Okay, you have to think about what humility means. You know, humility doesn't always mean being self-effacing, but humility means for Moshe Rabbeinu that he really knew his place because he was always standing before God. That's what the Rambam says, that even Moshe Rabbeinu is walking around, he could like immediately connect to God. His communication, lines of communication were open. That's what, that's what the Rambam says. So humility, humility is something that God created, not that God had, so to speak. So attributing a midah, a personality trait to God, was uh, problematic. Whereas everybody, or a lot of people said, here, look at this, just like God is Rachman, so he wants us to be Rachmanim. But God is not, again, this problem of, of Midot, HaKadosh Baruch came up again. And so the, the Rambam and the Ramban and, uh, and the Mishnah and the Rambam on the Mishnah, they all deal with this question. How can you say that God is a Rachman? How can you say that God is a Rachman? Even the Pasuk of Hashem Rachum B'chanon Nechapav Chesed B'met comes after the Chaita Egel and only to sort of take care of that, that problem. So the solution for the Rishonim, the solution for the Rishonim was to say either that God wants to teach us Rachamim, right? That Rachamim is not just when you have a, an extreme case, but even when something is mutar. I mean, it's mutar to, to eat the chicks. It's mutar to take the eggs. It's mutar to slaughter the, the animal. That even when it's mutar, it's like, like uh, the various sources talk about doctors. Tov berofim arog. What does that mean? What does it mean that a person can become insensitive to what he does? So if a doctor, the good old days, would let blood, you know, that was like a major cure, like instead of antibiotics, they would like take out some blood. So if a doctor did that to everybody he saw, well, eventually he wouldn't be so impressed by taking blood out of people and he might turn into a um, less than uh, important kind of personality. So that's Toshim So we have to protect ourselves against uh, feelings of, uh, the, the feeling that we can act mercilessly against the creation and the creatures in creation. And therefore, and therefore, God said, God said, Kansipo is a mitzvah. But the Mishnah says, you can't attribute mercy to God because that would be a falsification of God's nature. Yes, Oto et Bino comes to make sure that we maintain the proper perspective about mercy because if we just keep killing animals all the time, I don't know if you're ever in a slaughterhouse, uh, but if you never have been, there's no reason to go. That, that, to see what goes on is, uh, you know, devastating to the naive personalities that, uh, that learn Torah and try to raise Jewish families. Uh, so you could become, you could become unmerciful. Like even if you were merciful before you went to the slaughterhouse, you could lose it. 
you can lose it because you see the Torah is causing so much pain and anguish for the animals. So the Rabbam says, the Rabbam says, yeah, pain and anguish. You have to consider the pain and the anguish of the animals as well. So you have this kind of um, discussion. Is it about God? Is it about me? Right? And uh, generally speaking, the Mishnah rejects the idea that it's about God and that God is merciful, therefore he doesn't want us to do anything that's not merciful. And we generally speaking, and therefore you shouldn't say, which means, according to the Rambam, just like you are merciful on the Kansipor, you should have mercy on us. That's not a proper way to daven because it assumes something about God. Nevertheless, it's clear that the Kansipor, the Osem, teach me that the Midah of Rachem is something I have to work on. It's not something that I have automatically. And it depends on what you do with your life. You know, like if you spend your life in the slaughterhouse, you better work harder. If you spend your life uh, letting blood out of people and trying to imagine that you're, you're curing them, so you have, to work, you have to work harder. I assume that it's true about doctors as well. The doctors, on the one hand, have a uh, tremendous uh, opportunity to, uh, to do chesed and be merciful, but they also have probably um, this idea that if you do something a lot, you do it over and over again, you kind of lose track of the, of the merciful aspect of it. And that, uh, that the, the patients are also people. They're not just patients. And that's difficult sometimes for certain doctors, for some doctors, to keep a, keep a hold of. So this, is, uh, this idea is expanded at great length by the Maharal in Tiferet Yisrael, and uh, he goes on to, to explain how we have to differentiate, as we say, between God and what God wants of us. And what this all teaches us, what this teaches us is that being merciful is something that you have to work at. It's not something which is automatic. It's not like you read a passage in the Parashat the Shabua, the Mishnah, that now I'm merciful. I got it. I got it. I'm merciful. But that we are actually malleable as people. It depends on our experience. It depends on our interests. It depends on how much, how devoted we are to an idea or to what we think is God's will. And that's what the story of Kansipur is about. Have a good Shabbos. Just